Hello and welcome to the Tarantula Way podcast. Finally, we are here on the Tarantula Way podcast. I am Brian. I'm John. He's John. And uh, we're here to annoy you and talk about tarantulas. Butcher Latin names. <laughs> we are not scientists. We are not taxonomists. We are going to make mistakes and we're going to get things right and we're all going to live and learn together. So, but we were here to try to educate you, uh, beginners and uh, uh, old old G's at, as well. All right. So, anyways, on this podcast, we are we hope to uh, help and spread the word that tarantulas are awesome pets. They're easy to take care of, and they're quite addictive. And we're going to sprinkle in a little ASMR. Going to have a tarantula <laughs> mukbang. Um, oh wait, we're not. <laughs> I mean, we could. We, we don't have everything figured out yet. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but what we would like to do is help newcomers get into the hobby as well as share information with other people who have been doing it as long as us or longer. Or And, uh, you know, maybe we'll even learn something along the way. That was your cue. Well, to say probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for it. Because really? I'm a really slow learner. All right, you see. And apparently go. I have a bad memory as well. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I've been keeping tarantulas for 25 years. John's been keeping tarantulas for... 29, soon to be 30. 29 and three quarters of a year. Thank, um, you. Thank you very much. I have more tarantulas than a human being should be allowed to have. Also, I have got a green record longer than my arm. So I think I could maybe help some people learn a few things. And uh, we might even be a little entertaining while we're doing it. And his head is so large that we've, and we wanted this to be a video, but it, we could never get it in frame. So here we are with the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, we both have a face for radio anyway, so probably better okay so what should we get into john you want to get into our unhelpful guide of oh the week? okay so that's right we're, <laughs> what we're going to do each week we plan to is do an investigation of a different species every week we're going to start with some of the more popular species in the hobby and move on from there we're going to call it our unhelpful guide series yeah, we decided to do this and we wanted, you know, to do a air quote deep dive, but uh, my dive didn't get very deep because there wasn't a whole lot of information. <laughs> you should be used to that, not diving deep. <laughs> but oh, I digress. Funny, funny. Okay, <laughs> so back to the topic at hand. Anyway, right. so, yeah, we want to, uh, this is our first show, so we want to start with something basic. Uh, so we're going to do uh, some basic stuff for you. So our unhelpful guide of the week is going to start with the curly hair tarantula, otherwise known as John. Drum roll. It's a little toccato. Say that Abupilosis. again. Albupilosis. It's a little toccato. Albupilosis. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the best I can do is titicato albupilosis. Which keep really sounded like Diddy Kaka to me, but... Well, you know, I am a Beavis and Butthead fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, 
we wanted to, well, we're going to start with the basic one just to get started. We'll do deep, deep dives, air quotes, uh, on other species as well. But most of that is going to be, uh, you know, what we've learned over the years while keeping the species. And we can give you like today, we've, I've got, uh, Wikipedia has got, uh, everything that I found on every other website. So <laughs> I just stuck with the Wikipedia. So, uh, uh, as John said, it is what? Tulotocatl elbopilosis. Elbow yes. Although uh, previously known as Brachypalma elbopilosum. Uh, the species is native. Native range is Nicaragua to, and Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. Uh, I, if I had to guess, I'd say small parts of uh, Guatemala probably have some in there too. And uh, this is the tarantula is covered in long bristles that have characteristics, the characteristic curl to them, giving them a unique look, which is why they are nicknamed the curly hair tarantula. I would have never uh, guessed that. I know, right? How, why, why do they call it the curly hair? I just can't figure it out. <laughs> so it's in the family Theraphosidae. It's in the genus Titicatl. <laughs> Tacatl. Tacatl. Yeah, we'll just let John say that. Elbow pelosis. T elbow pelosis. <laughs> I just figure we could feel the rest of the podcast with you attempting to say it. <laughs> it would be pretty funny. <laughs> okay, so the range and habitat we've already kind of covered. Uh you wanna you are you looking at it too, John, or no? Oh, yeah, and Honduras. We forgot about Honduras because the uh, Brachypelma albopilosum was used to be known as the Honduras, Honduran curly hair. Oh, how could you ever Remember? read about Honduras? So we forgot Same Honduras. Way. Right. Bad, right. So were you reading this too or no? Do you have it up? No. Or no? no. Oh, okay. So I was, I was listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, just, well, I was going to. See if you had anything else to add to it. Uh, uh, usually don't. Receptive females will allow a male to mate, usually during the rainy season, resulting in making of an egg sac and laying of 300 to 500 eggs several weeks later. So several is a pretty broad range, huh? Uh, yeah, because I don't think there's no set gestation period. So, Okay, well, in my opinion, three months later... <laughs> <laughs> you'll have babies that seems can you mark can that. you set your calendar by the <laughs> pretty closely six to eight weeks i would i guess i i, I guess that's several weeks but it seems sounds short to me. waiting so, three months for the egg sac to hatch seems very long to me <laughs> so you've uh you've bred the species before as have i how, how many uh, spiderlings do you nor do you normally get from them? Uh, normally, I get a, between 100 and 200. I haven't had any that were really huge. Really? But I I usually breed smaller females. So I, I, if you look at my, my breeding record on my website, I don't have uh, – uh, there's a lot of them that they – I didn't get a lot of babies out of. But I, I usually end up breeding really small females because my males mature so early. You had to watch that. You can go to jail for that sort of thing. But <laughs> the first time I bred the species, I actually got over 500 spiderlings. Over 500? Mm -hmm. And then the next time I bred a, a, a 
use the male with the specimen. And this is why I kind of kind of made light of the three to six, whatever you said, three to six weeks or whatever, because I paired a male and a female together and waited like probably six months and nothing happened. So I figured nothing was going to happen. And I foolishly sold this spider. And then she made a viable exec with the new owners. And that oh, was right. Yeah, and that was oh like, I, I I was saying three I'm sorry, I, I misunderstood. I was saying three months in the sack catches, but to getting an egg sack after mating, I mean it can be exactly for, I've, had, I've had a female make an egg sack a week after mating. Not exactly. a curly, not a curly hair, right, but a right. female tarantula. Right. And I've had one make an egg sack eleven months after mating. Okay. And then eat that thing. Oh well, yeah. Days. As far as <laughs> as far as development in the in the egg sack, yeah, that's pretty pretty standard. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that that's what I was saying. Three months would be would be about from right. the time she makes the sack until they hatch out and you get your three to five hundred eggs, which I know you can get up to a thousand babies out of these things. I, I've seen lots of egg sacks where people post egg sacks with seven, eight hundred, right, nine hundred, yeah. twelve hundred. I'm looking at my breeding record now. I'm trying to find elbow. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Elbow close from 412 babies. Exactly. In 2010. So, yep. I, I was shooting a little low there. I, I have had some larger ones of those. And Acanthus furious too. Kylobrachy. But oh, I had a lot of. Wait, wait. Don't, don't talk about those yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Getting ahead of myself here. We All right, this will, more this, episodes. This, yeah, this will be a one one episode podcast, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> and our two our two listeners will be very upset. <laughs> okay, so this uh, the egg sac is incubated for seven to eight weeks. Oh, there we go at, uh, at twenty four to twenty seven degrees Celsius, which is uh, what about seventy five degrees, sure. seventy five to eighty degree uh, 31, I think, is 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So, yeah, that's that's going to be in the 70s, the, the mid, mid, uh, mid to upper 70s. Wait, I thought you just said something foreign. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say it. Sounded like Celsius. <laughs> I told you. I did. I said oh, 24 okay. to 27 degrees Celsius, and that is around between, like, 75 to 79 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, I think. Oh, okay. Sure. I have an incubator, and I, it must have come from China because it only does Celsius. It's got a digital <laughs> so thing. So, of, uh, of course, it thermometer. must have come from China because it's the only place they do Celsius. <laughs> well, no, because everything is made in China, that's my oh. point. And uh, Were you um, made in China? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I think just about everything I was wearing is, and my computer, and my chair I'm sitting on, and my phallic-shaped microphone, and <laughs> I you don't think, uh, <laughs> uh, so did you. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, so after you hatch your egg sac at 24 to 27 degrees Celsius, uh, pale-colored young will emerge and cluster together. Yeah. Spiderlings develop quickly, molting again over the next couple of weeks, by which time they disperse to live independent lives, mm -hmm. just like on uh, Charlotte's Web. <laughs> okay, so tell all the babies blow away in the wind. So why don't you tell our couple of listeners how you set up your uh, 
egg sacs for incubation. Do you leave them with them with the uh, female? For elbow pelosum, I would not leave it with the female for fear she would eat it for a midnight snack. Mm -hmm. So I would pull the egg sac at around 30 days, 28 to 30 days, depending on right. how long I could actually wait. And then I would put it in, uh, I use just a deli cup. It's really basic. It's a deli cup that's six inches tall and four mm -hmm. inches around. Mm -hmm. I cut the toes. I cut like a section of the uh, a pantyhose, the toe up a few inches. I cut that off because that makes a nice little cradle for the egg sac. I put that, I fill the cup halfway up with water. So when, so wait, so when you when you go dressed up, what do you you, you got to buy more pantyhose now? Yep, yep. Oh, okay. Yep, I go through a lot of pantyhose. Oh, uh, I use the old ones when they get a run in them, you know. Right. Keep going. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So inside the cup, I put water and sphagnum moss. I use sphagnum moss because if I let it go too long in the water, it evaporates. The sphagnum moss still has plenty of humidity to keep the humidity as high as I want it in there. Also, my ink, I have an incubator, so it. I can put water in there to make it humid. But before I had an incubator, this was my incubator. Um, and then uh, you put the pantyhose over the top with the toe hanging down like a little the uh, pantyhose. Okay. Pantyhose. <laughs> That's what you say. <laughs> well, they're panty. They're pantyhose as a pair. I'm only using one side. So, so it's the pantyhose. <laughs> it's the pantyhose. <laughs> it's the singular. <laughs> so. Anyway, so you make that so it makes a nice little cradle. You can set the egg sac inside of it. And then as a lid, I like to use what they call the insect cup lid, which is a screen lid with like a cheesecloth or some sort of cloth type over the screen. That way you don't have to worry about getting any little flies in there. And then you've got good ventilation. Also, the water only goes up like halfway and you got an area where the egg sac is hanging over the water and the sphagnum moss. So I put little tiny pinholes, nothing that big enough for a fly to get into, but mm -hmm. I put pinholes in the side of the cup in that area. So there's a cross ventilation flow. <laughs> so try yeah. not to, because the eggs tend to want to mold if it gets too humid in there. You don't have any enough ventilation. Sometimes just having ventilation on the top will not allow enough ventilation. Sure. Enough breeze. Sure. So I do something similar, but different. You don't use a pantyhose? No. <laughs> so I use a six inch uh, diameter deli and I use a combination of paper towel and over a uh, cheesecloth. And I suspend that over a uh, vermiculite and water. I put the egg sac there, and then I use just the regular top for the six-inch deli, but I use holes along the side. I drill holes on the side underneath the paper towel and cheesecloth layer, so even if flies got in there, it wouldn't get up into the egg sac, and it provides cross-ventilation through okay. just the, the sides, so I don't even have the ventilation in the top at all. It's just through the, it's just through the sides where the egg sac is suspended. Okay. So, there you go. But other than that, it's it's sound. It's still the, it's just a different variation of the same thing. Right. It's a, it's pretty much the same basic yeah. thing. Okay. Uh, where was I now? Oh, right here. So it says they are primarily nocturnal, which most spiders are. 
and uh, opportunistic ambushers. Sounds like most spiders. <laughs> they prey on insects and small vertebrates. So they'll, they'll eat mice, they'll eat small snakes, they'll eat frogs and toads and cicadas and all kinds of stuff. Moss, anything they can catch. Male curly watch. hairs if they're female. Male curly hairs, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's happened a couple of times. Oh, and that's and another interesting thing. That's one of the tarantulas. That I've, I've had two species uh, that have actually done uh, post-ultimate molts. And that's one of the ones that I've had that has successfully came out. Now, when I say successfully, the pedipalps were not um, structurally sound anymore. But They didn't come off? Uh, so one of them, the like the right one let's say it can't it came out but it was just the i don't the i don't know the uh anatomical name of the uh organs on the end of them on the palpable bulbs but they the just turkey weren't baster? there <laughs> sure the turkey baster was gone sure. they just weren't there um on the one side and the other one the spider got stuck and and i had to like assist and so I lost the basically lost the palp. Yeah. Okay. Well, most most of the times they lose their palps when they're going through that molt that I've heard. So and, a, one, and for those who, that are unaware, post ultimate molt is once is when a male matures, and normally they don't molt anymore. But I've yeah, had, it's usually their last molt. Right. Curly hairs. I've had I've had one to successfully pull that off. And just They're, to be clear, it, in the wild, male tarantulas probably never live long enough to make another molt. <laughs> <laughs> Between all the prey and uh, the constant wandering and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the threat of females, I'm sure none of them live long enough to make another molt anyways. So that's pretty much it. The rest is just about uh, how they eat. And that'll probably be for another episode. So and, uh, we won't... Don't need yeah, to go like into just that. Throw in there that this is my favorite species. Oh, okay. Of all tarantulas. It's my favorite. I have a hard time coming up with a favorite, favorite, but pretty much Ultramarinus is my favorite. Can't believe it's Ultramarinus. It does say uh, the largest threat to curly hair tarantula is now habitat loss, which is probably all tarantulas. Uh, once captured in large numbers for international pet trade, the curly hair is now bred in captivity worldwide and relatively few are caught in the wild. It is listed on the Appendix 2 of the concert, uh, Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species, which is CITES. Uh, the curly hair tarantula can now only be traded international according to quotes and with trade permits. So it's semi-protected now. But yet they still come in wild pods. Yeah, by country. a lot of in large numbers too. Yes, they still come in in large numbers. They just come from a different country now. Right. <laughs> so they slowed down for a little bit there, but then they found a new country to get them from. Well, we think out. they come from a new country. You know, some I, I suspect some of those collectors get confused as to geographic lines when they're down there. Borderlines. <laughs> oh, sure, but the new ones look different than the than the Honduran right. ones. Because right. even the wild, even when the wild, the Hondurans were coming in wild caught, they did not have as much curly hair as as the new ones do that come in. 
Mm-hmm. So they are. It has got to be another geographical location. I guess it could technically be in the same country. But. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless the tarantulas are recognized the borders. <laughs> this is true, but it's probably easier to stay in the country that they're legal to collect them from than it is to go to one that's illegal because they're not coming in from Honduras anymore because it's a scary place now. And they're not doing much trade because their government and everything, I think, is all trashed. And it's like scary to live there now. So they're not doing a lot of exporting, I believe. And that has been your world news brief. Hi, Brian. <laughs> now you know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I have Honduras in my neighborhood. They say it's terrible over there right now. Hmm. Okay, so that is it for our... Uh, uh, what are we calling it? Our uh, this thing unhelpful guide. Unhelpful guide. Our unhelpful guide to tarantulas. That's our uh, first unhelpful guide. Segment to unhelpful guide. And quite so, possibly our last. <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> so this is our very first podcast, and we're trying to keep it basic so we can get comfortable with what we're doing um, and uh, still be entertaining for you guys. So uh, I figured this would be a good time to just do some basic stuff. Uh, uh, what do you think is, uh, well, what's, what's uh, here's the question of the century. What is the best beginner spider? Whoa. Wow. We're going into this one now. I, you didn't even give me yeah. time to prepare. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, Hey, you get access a million times a month. I'm sure I know I do. Um, everybody's got views on it. I think uh, people like the Tarantula Collective have a list of this somewhere. Tom Moran has his list. Uh, everybody's got a list of what they think are the best beginner tarantulas. I'm going to say Stromatocoma calciatum. <laughs> <laughs> well, feather leg bad significant, <laughs> medically significant venom. Yes. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, if you can my, keep one of those, you can keep anything. So I say start there and just go. Well, my first spider was an OBT, so I didn't well, start too much, so. too much farther from that. <coughs> but generally, um, people are scared of spiders. I was not scared, so he didn't scare me that much. Well, unfortunately, I would probably honestly not say curly hair. It would be close, but... Honestly, I mean, the spider that I would probably say is not that readily available anymore. But see, then it wouldn't be a good beginner spider. It would be if they were <laughs> readily available and cheap. But that the, the pig zebra beauty is not a good one. Oh, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say a rose hair. Oh. oh, or a rose. Well, rose hair would have been ten years ago, but now mm. you know, now it's a bad. But. I got to disagree with you. I mean, I think Rose here is a great beginner tarantula. I don't think there's a problem with that. But I think they tend to be a little more nippy sometimes than a curly hair. Oh, I don't. I disagree. Yeah, I don't. I had That hasn't been my experience. Um, I think either one of them can be. I almost just got bit by a curly hair the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they can be, but I, I'm not going to lie. When I do reptile shows, I pull out curly hairs and red rumps all the time to hold. And then if they're cool with me, I let people hold them. And, and I've never had a problem with them. Mm-hmm. And my, my thing, never the, what I was basing it on was the uh, urticating hairs. And they're they're more apt to throw uh, to uh, dislodge uh, urticating hairs than rose hairs are. That's true. 
They are. They are, but they're now the thing with rose hairs also is that they do that, they'll go on, you know, self-imposed fast forever and it drives beginners crazy. But that's enough. Right. Yeah, yeah, because they don't do anything and because they don't eat and because they don't molt and really it's not really a good beginner. It's a good beginner for them. It's not a good beginner for us because then we get all the questions. Why won't my spider eat? I bought it from you. Why won't my spider bolt? I bought it from you. Why won't <laughs> but also something that we neglected to mention about the curly hair is sometimes if they if they're kept really heavy and kept on a substrate that's a lot uh, more coarse. They can develop a, a ulcer or soft spot on the underside of their abdomen. Yes, and we are going to get to that in the next segment because after we get done with the uh, beginner spider, I want to go into setups and that kind of thing, uh, more basic stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, for sure, um, any of your heavy-body terrestrial spiders are, are you know with the wrong substrate and if kept too heavy will, uh, and mostly I think if it's just the wrong substrate, but. I honestly it, think I've it, seen it on more curly hairs than anything else, though. <laughs> and Terra habanus. Yeah. Uh, salmon pinks. I, I see it a lot on salmon pink bird eaters. Um, and acanthus creas. I see it a lot on different heavy-bodied acanthus creas I've had over the years, including uh, white knees, uh, geniculatas, and uh, Morocco Hershey, air quotes. <laughs> but I... Uh, because their uh, curly hairs are easy to get, and uh, and and I, I throw striped knees kind of in there too because they're easy to get and they're cheap and they're generally cool. There's always a, a, a you know a pissy one here and there, but but they're generally cool. You can generally pick them up. For some reason, the striped knee makes me nervous to do it, but every time I pick them up, I never have a problem. So I'm not. It's, this will sound like hypocritical. But I'm not really one that actually advocates handling. I do it, but um, so I didn't oh. even really take that into into account um, that much. As far as I'm just saying, even as far as when you just do basic husbandry things, whether it's gonna you know run out of the tank and all that, and and strike knees are. <laughs> They're very skittish, and sometimes they'll they'll run right out. <laughs> That's true. They can be skittish. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you if you keep them right, they usually dig, and they're not they're not too apt to to run if you keep them if they're kept and they're happy. They'll have a place to go, and mm -hmm. they won't run out of your cage. Um, if you're keeping them too dry or not enough substrate or something like that, then you know they're going to run because they want out of the cage. If they're more comfortable in the setup, then they're less apt to run. But yeah, I mean, for sure, I would put striped knees lower on the list. Mm -hmm. um, but out of stuff that it's a that's readily available, curly hairs and red rumps are right. Uh, you know, titicata, elbow pelosis, and uh, baggins are high on the list for me, just because of price and availability. Yeah, baggins are good. Yeah, and they're a little less apt to kick hair than a curly yeah. hair. Mm -hmm. Slightly less. Well, it, it depends. Like, I have curly hairs that don't kick, and I have, I have. Uh, what do they call them? A Mexican red rum. Yeah, but yeah. I have a Florida red rum, and it doesn't kick at, hair at all. <laughs> come look at mine. They're all Mexican baldrums. Uh, they, Are they? No red hair down there at all. <laughs> I, I have a few like that, but I but but they travel with me to the reptile shows and stuff. So I I I tend to think it's because they get jostled around a bit. 
Um, but the ones I have in my personal collection aren't like that. And my wild caught Florida baggings is not. Uh, Did you say not really a haircut? Flor- <laughs> oh. Oh. I was just watching Lord of the Rings today, dude. <laughs> That's funny. What happened? Uh, no, Florida baggins. Well, well, no, wait, what happened? Tell what us happened? step by step. <laughs> Frodo slipped and fell in the fire. End of story. <laughs> and that is movies. By <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, <laughs> if you haven't seen Return of the King by now, you're probably never going to. Oh, well, darn. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so now best setups for beginner people, or even anybody who's curious what we think. What do you What do you think's the best? Uh, starting with substrate, or well, we can. Do cage size and substrates, cage style substrates. Oh God! And uh, please <laughs> direct all hate mail <laughs> because substrate. I am serious. Man. Substrate is like is more polarizing than Congress. It's like it's so it's just crazy. I know people um, love their cocoa fiber, and and it's serviceable. I mean, but. I found it works better if you I, I add vermiculite to it and it and it can work. Um, given it, I guess it also depends on the species and what you're setting up as far as what you know if it's arboreal, if it's fossorial, terrestrial. Depends on what you're what you're doing, you know, because different things can hold a shape better if something is going to dig. Um, yeah. But just as a all around. I prefer like a mix of peat moss and vermiculite. Um, more like a probably a 70-30 mix of peat to vermiculite. That's what I usually prefer for most stuff. Um, when in other things, it's not it's not necessarily that that uh, important. Like uh, some of the arboreal things that never touch the substrate anyway. Doesn't really matter that much. Uh, well, there's yeah. You know, as far as arboreal things, though, uh, uh, um, really the, the only only uh, carabina and avicularia are the type that wouldn't really touch. The exactly, that's what I had in mind. Yeah, because everything else uses they use the substrate a little bit for their home when they make a home. Uh, me, I think uh, for me, I I I, I tried. Straight vermiculite in the beginning. Mm, uh, yeah, they don't like that. Right? Yeah, that 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 didn't. I didn't like that for too long, and then, but that was the uh, suggestion. And I've never at gotten. Yeah, I know it was, and I've never gotten a successful exact on straight vermiculite. I think it, it they would always end up drying out. I think the vermiculite competes with the exact for moisture. Oh, probably. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I started using peat before I started breeding. No, I think I was. I can't remember now. I might have. I might have been using vermiculite when I got that pink toe egg sac. I don't know, but I don't like vermiculite. I don't like anything anymore. I only use peat. Straight, so, <laughs> clean Canadian peat. And where did you meet peat at? <laughs> peat, peat, and repeat. Uh, I remember back. 
when I first started keeping them, it was books that were out there that would suggest the suggestion was aquarium gravel. Yep. <laughs> and uh, also the bark stuff, that bark substrate that people uh, were suggesting that as well. Um, I always thought dirt was cool. Um, the peat works really good. I tried different types of dirt. I tried potting soil. I tried uh, all kinds of different dirt. And the peat works the best. It's the easiest to dry out faster. It's the easiest mm -hmm. to get wet faster. Mm -hmm. You can you can change it like pretty darn quick. Uh, if, you need, if, you, if you let it go too long, it gets too dry, you add water and takes right away. And mm -hmm. it soaks up the moisture and it holds it in pretty good. Um, I can see where you could use vermiculite. I just, I used a lot of vermiculite in the beginning and I just hate vermiculite completely now. So <laughs> I don't use it at all. Um, the only thing I use other than that, and it's only for decoration. Sometimes I use a little colored sand, like Kelsa sand or something mm -hmm. to add a little color to it. And I also use fish gravel, colored fish gravel, um, because it adds a little color. It adds a little aeration and helps with the, uh, when it get the tra I put it on the top, and eventually it gets mixed in the dirt from the tarantula, and it helps, uh, you know, with aeration and it helps with drainage. And uh, I keep it inside my water dish because it doesn't grow mold or anything because it's made to be in water, and that way my crickets don't drown, and the tarantula can drink out of it just fine with with, uh, with the fish gravel. And I've seen them dig into the gravel. And I suspect the drink cricket could still drown in there. I mean, it would try. They do try. I see, them, I see them banging their heads on the rocks because they can't drown and they're trying to commit suicide that way. I don't know why they're so suicidal, but yeah, they do try, but they cannot drown, but sometimes they do get uh, brain damage. <laughs> um, so yeah, pretty much, I think peat is great for everything. Uh, if you, you use it, you make it deep for uh, burrowing uh, species and you pour the water at the bottom of the cage and let it soak up from the bottom up. And that helps with, uh, uh, with, a, uh, with burrowing and that kind of thing. Um, Tarantulas seem to like it. Uh, uh, terrestrial tarantulas seem to like it. And of course, you know, uh, uh, arboreal tarantulas could care less. And then uh, you have preferences for cages? Um, not, not really. No. Plastic versus glass? Anything not, like that? I, no. I've, I have some, I have a mix of things. Yeah, I used to too, but then my collection got so big that cost was a <laughs> issue. So I just use uh, plastic sterlite boxes, basically. I have they glass. Stack. A lot of glass. I'd like to have glass, but it's heavy. It's hard to move if you have to move it. It looks really cool if you light it up and everything, but then you got to have decorations. And yeah, so much decorations. maintenance. It's so much maintenance for me that. Uh, it's uh, and I have you know so many damn tarantulas that it's just easier to keep them in basic cages. I use shoe box size and sweater box size for the larger ones, and occasionally for extra extra large ones, the next size up from there, which I don't know what you would call that gargantuan size. I, I think that's what they that's technically what they're called at the store gigantic or gargantuan size, sure. All right, it works. And, and, and Home Depot sell, sells them all, too, so it makes them really easy. They have good prices on them. And all my lids are the same color, so they all match. 
fuck best I can do. <laughs> Almost all the lids are a cool dark blue instead of that white that gets really dirty because you have to use so much dirt. Don't look too too bad that way. You so, have anything else to add to that subject? No. I think I'm all out of additions. All out of additions. Yes. <laughs> Did you have anything else to add today to the show? Anything else you want to talk about today? Um, well, let's see. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that about covers it as far as I can think. I'm sure there's other other things that we forgot about curly hairs, but, um, you know, like I said, maybe our two listeners can contact us later. (laughs) Right. And if you want to contact us, you can contact me at sales at michiganarachnids.com or michiganarachnids.com uh, at michiganarachnids.com at, on Instagram. And also we have a Facebook page, which is the Tarantula Way podcast on Facebook. And if you want to contact me, you should really ask yourself why. <laughs> Best way to contact John <laughs> would be the tarantula way podcast on facebook right now until we get more than one or two listeners and then we'll uh expand from there we'll probably have a website for the show if people actually want to listen to us so i guess for right now i am brian and i have been john he has been john for as long as i've known him and this is this is the tarantula way podcast and uh, uh my motto is Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sounds, that's my sounds. tarantula. That's my, my motto for tarantulas. Keep it simple, stupid. And until next time, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.